My name is Asata, and I am a scientific and medical illustrator. The thing I love the most about my job is not just the projects and their impact, but the science behind them and the amazing people I get to meet along the way. So get comfy, and welcome to the Bio Studio. Hi, and welcome to the Bio Studio. Uh, this is a brand new podcast that I am creating. Um, who am I? My name is Asata. I am a medical illustrator and founder of Legacy Bio Studios. The reason I wanted to start a podcast is as a medical illustrator, I get to meet and talk to some really interesting people that are wanting to create and do a lot of interesting things. And a lot of times those ideas, concepts, and um, projects don't always get a whole lot of recognition. So my hope is that you, the listener, will get to learn about more regarding um, health sciences, regarding um, things like paleontology, ecology, um, just kind of all the ologies, (laughs) because that's where I like to work, is anything that is an ology. Uh, So I'm here today with uh, my husband, the best husband in the world. Ben Whirl. He is also a civil engineer and an amateur paleontologist. And we are also in the studio today with our two dogs, Rocco and Maya. So if you hear any snorting or barking. Probably the husband. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to edit it out, but sometimes you don't get it all edited out. And that's what you're hearing. (laughs) So, um... Welcome. Welcome to the bio studio. Hello, this is Ben, Sana's husband. Um, I'm here to interview her and ask some questions to help you get a better idea of what she does, who she works with, uh, and where she sees this podcast going and her projects in the future. So, uh, first question is, what types of services does your company provide? I always tell people I'm a visual communicator because first and foremost, my job is to communicate communicate complicated things um, visually, which is one of the easiest ways to share information. If you think about small children and how they learn, we are always using images and pictures and drawings and animations in order to kind of build that foundation of what is an apple? Can you eat it? So it's kind of taking that same idea, but taking it to things like CRISPR and, you know, what is DNA and how do you work with it or what existed here 30 million years ago? I mean, there's just that concept of um, there are things that are hard to explain just using your words. And in some cases, when you explain those things, it sounds like something really fantasy-based or not real. So my expertise, though, is in 2D, <laughs> is in 2D um, digital illustration, um, 3D modeling, and animation in both 2D and 3D. Uh, I kind of just kind of... So, mm. <laughs> I guess I got distracted by the doggy. <laughs> Our dog decided it would be a good idea to start trying to play with the antenna on a stuffed ladybug. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, you. <laughs> Growing. 
No, you can't come up here. No. What? Okay, fine. Come on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rocco, do you have any questions for Asata? He kind of looks like he has a lot of questions. <laughs> no, we don't speak dog, unfortunately. So. No. Um, but yeah, so... Anyways, finishing my, my thought before I got distracted. Um, so my emphasis is supposed to be more of a, I take things from a, I guess, kind of evolutional perspective. So I like working across the board in any kind of life science. If you're talking about something as small as genes or microbes to anything as large um, as as dinosaurs or as complicated as as human anatomy so that is adorable <laughs> they're they're uh Rocco is um all comfy and set up in Ben's lap and making squinty eyes <laughs> felt left out of this podcast we should introduce the dogs okay so here with me is Rocco you want to say hi Dude. I don't think dogs speak. Well, you want, usually he barks. Dogs do speak. When they speak, they bark. So. <laughs> but, yeah, and then Maya's sleeping. Maya, you want to you say hi? Do you want to be on my lap? She doesn't care about people. She just wants to sleep. So Rocco is new. He, we just got him, like, a month ago, and he's five. He likes to run away yeah um (laughs) he really likes to cuddle um when we first got him he was a emotional service dog um so he knows things like hug and like pressure like so like he's he's there to kind of help if you're needing some some support maya is the our older dog. She is probably 12, maybe 13. We're not real clear how old she is. We got her when she was also about four or five. And she's been kind of here with me the whole time. So I call her my uh, <laughs> my chief of morale. <laughs> I gave her a proper title <laughs> with, with the company. Um, partly because when I've, I, we got her when we started college, uh, I think our sophomore year of college was when we actually got her, we got an apartment, the apartment was pet friendly, so we got a dog. And so she's been with us through every project, every exam, every midterm, every final. I always joke that it's pretty much like she has her own BPMI degree, <laughs> like I do. Um, what is BPMI? Okay, so I went to Iowa State, and they have a program there called Biological Pre-Medical Illustration. And so essentially, it is a pre-med biology illustration, and if you choose, you can do um, 3D modeling, and you can, and you can kind of choose an emphasis. So my emphasis was ecology. And so we did, I did four and a half years uh, to get my degree. And the nice thing about this program is everything is really nicely wrapped together. So when I was taking my general biology courses, I was learning in my illustration courses how to illustrate the things that I was learning, how to tell a story to convey things like mitosis in a 
2D illustration. Um, when you get farther along, you get the opportunity to take some more advanced courses. You get the opportunity to have more freedom with your illustrations. And you can kind of tackle things that are a little bit more illustrative, like world hunger and how to illustrate that. Um, the importance of, of uh, humans understanding their environments and how they interact together. So that's kind of, I think, why I like a more evolutionary-based approach when it comes to life sciences, because that was how my education was built, where we took everything from biosciences to um, literally evolution. Oh, Rocco's falling asleep <laughs> in Ben's lap <laughs> um, to uh, things like Iowa vertebrates and dendrology. So we got a very broad um, exposure to a lot of stuff. And um, for me, Maya was with me the entire time. Um, so she actually was the subject of some of my illustrations. I did some illustrations on uh, dog anatomy as well as how to do a, like certain skills, like how to clip a dog's nails. Um, so, yeah. And Ben also went to Iowa State. He was uh, a civil engineer mm-hmm. undergrad. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that a little bit? Because that also led to some pretty interesting things regarding your current interest and as an amateur paleontologist yeah um so i went to school for civil engineering and i'm a civil engineer right now water resources emphasis so water treatment water pumping uh water mains sewers wastewater treatment plants that sort of thing um while we were at iowa state uh I was walking along a creek uh, on campus, and I looked in the water, and I saw this strange conical shape in the water that didn't really fit with the rest of what was on the creek bottom, and so it took a lot of effort to get it out of the water. I'll save the story, but I got it out, and we thought it was a horn from some kind of farmers cattle and but I just couldn't you know I was looking up Texas Longhorn I was looking up all kinds of other things I couldn't figure it out and I just kind of kept it on the front porch in the rain and whatever else was going on and eventually took it to Asada's BPMI professor and he's like oh it's a bison and I'm like oh what (laughs) like this thing is huge and looking more into it, older morphologies of bison had longer, more robust horns. And uh, so the horn that I found is probably at least 5,000 years old. It's probably a bison occidentalis, possibly an antiquus, but probably an occidentalis. And that was my around my senior year of college. And that kind of started a snowball for me of finding fossils and learning about them and wanting to find more. The more I learned, the more I found. The more I found, the more I loved it. And uh, now we also can kind of mesh me and Asata with... She's drawing some of my uh, fossils that I have. Um, and she's able to get into more paleo things, and it's really exciting because in the paleo world, you can't just go take a photo of a mammoth. Like, somebody has to recreate it based on what we know about the skeleton, what we know about the fur, what we know about hair, whatever you want to call it, uh, and what we know, and recreate it 
that way. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities in paleo. You're just kind of getting into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just another example of something that an illustrator can do that a camera can't. Yeah, there's a lot of things where I think with the development of photography and now, you know, everyone has their own, like even right now I'm, I'm taking photographs of us doing this podcast. Um, there's this kind of misconception that, well, now that we have photography, we no longer need illustrators. Um, I would certainly say that the types of things that we usually that we had used illustrations in the past for um we don't do them all so it used to be we did everything from newspaper articles to you know textbooks and everything which to a degree we still do some of that but uh i would say a lot of what we do now is to show um, either something very specific that somebody found, if it was like a very specific groove that somebody wants emphasized in a, that you can't really get in a photograph, if there was something that is a symbol of, of or a sample of something happening to a species, um, trying to really reinforce and emphasize, um, as well as you can create something completely um out of nothing so for example recreating extinct species yeah yeah and i've been recently looking into devonian fish fossils because i've been finding some things and i'm trying to educate myself better to figure out what i have and a lot of these papers uh like if you're talking about some of the devonian fish that had armor plating towards the head and neck area. They're made up of a lot of different plates that suture together, and there's illustrations in there that show the shapes of the plates. If they're broken and part of it's missing, they'll kind of show dotted lines or some other means of showing, well, this is what we think the rest of it looked like. And it's just a lot clearer than trying to take a photo of a, of a big fossil that has little tiny suture lines in it and having to try to make sense of it in a photo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With an illustration, you can clean things up, clear things up, and only show what you're trying to convey. And photos still have a, a place if you're trying to get a feel for the color and texture of something. If it's done right, a photo can be good. Um, but especially when you're talking about the shapes and the form of something, um, if you're trying to... Sometimes, you know, I've even seen things in medicine where... If something's just really messy and gory and bloody, yeah, it's just better to draw it and recreate it and simplify it and make it look nicer. Yeah, it's all about the audience. And even sometimes if it is meant for other doctors or, you know, people that are training to become doctors, there sometimes is that, well, we want them to be exposed to the graphicness of what it is to practice medicine. But sometimes there are photos. I've worked on projects that the photos are so bloody that you have to go I'm not real clear what I'm seeing here because there's so much gore going on around it. I need to clarify with the person I'm working with what I'm seeing so that I can illustrate it properly. Um, But yeah, I always say my job is to make not such nice looking things look beautiful. (laughs) So along those lines, um, what kind of clients have you done work for in the past? I've worked with, uh, well, one of the first projects that I got to work on was actually um, animation, which this was something that the 
the topic itself was so interesting and meant a lot to me because it was uh, with a group called Healthcare Trends. Um, They are technically based in Nigeria, but they have um, components of their of their business here in the United States. They collaborate with doctors here in the United States. Um, But they were having an instance of um, lack of communication with new mothers. And the infant mortality rate in Nigeria is crazy high. Uh, And they knew that a lot of the deaths that were happening to infants were... um, If they were just being vaccinated, proper hygiene and care, those babies would not die. So um, they tried brochures. They tried just communicating directly to the new mothers. But instead, um, you know, that wasn't working. So what we decided to try was to actually create a series of little animations with some um, voiceovers that explain the importance of getting their child vaccinated, how to uh, take care of um, umbilical cords, the importance of nutrition, information about breastfeeding. Um, So that was kind of like a health literacy project. That was one of the first projects that I did. Um, And then from there, I've worked on things from surgical illustrations to archiving illustrations for paleontology um, to 3D modeled uh, stuff of of like cells. Um, So it's very, very broad. (laughs) I've I've even like it's so broad that the way I set up my website, I have it when you go to the gallery, I have it going through anatomy and medicine to medical devices, which I've, you know, I completely forgot about that. I've also done work on um, creating user manuals for um, medical devices. One in particular that I was very proud of was, uh, was an endoscope so that they could get FDA approval. Um, to my last prod, my last sector section on my website is bio- uh, biology and paleontology, which I've done stuff regarding ecology. I've done stuff regarding um, paleo art. So it's a very broad <laughs> spectrum. Reaching for my list of questions, and the dog has his head on my arm and will not move it. He's comfy. Um, where did your interest in medicine start? My mom. So my mom's a dentist. Um, depending on which bio you read of me and where, you will hear that uh, I practically grew up in a dental clinic. So my mom was, was a, is a general dentist. She's still practicing. And the story I like to tell people because it really ties back into what I, en- what I ended up doing as a career is I was you know, as a rambunctious three-year-old, I was constantly getting into things and tearing things apart, but in a very methodical way. (laughs) And um, I remember at one point, my mom was kind of like, you need to just sit down. Here's a book. Here's some crayons and you can color. And it was actually one of her old um, uh, pathology books that she had from dental school. And at the time, I'm, you know, I'm three. I'm coloring it. I'm like, oh, there's no color in here. So I'm going to color all the the things that are in here and make everything color coded. Um, And as an adult, looking back, I'm like, wow, to give your three-year-old a textbook that probably costs 
300 bucks. <laughs> so she would stop digging in the walls. Uh, <laughs> but the we have a running joke that that was that's why I ended up doing what I do now is because she gave me that that textbook and that she let me color in it. And from there, it kind of led to this general, for the longest time, I wanted to be a dentist like my mom. And then for a while, I wanted to be a surgeon. And when I got older, I took a complete flip and I wanted to be a a software engineer. (laughs) And then that was when I actually went to Iowa State. And that was when I was recruited into my my program, into the BPMI program. I I actually learned that I had um, dyscalculia, which means that like with dyslexia, people have a hard time with with words uh, and letters. I would have a a hard time with numbers. And so it would make math very difficult for me. Um, I could do it, but I would have to go through what I was doing four or five times because I was seeing numbers wrong. Um, So I decided I can't get through the programs. And I can attest Going through the engineering college, there is way more math than you ever need for your job. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was the question of um, if I wanted to do a type of engineering, I would have to get through these math courses, which I would struggle through. I would probably just be a D student. Um, So I decided I, I... couldn't do that. I needed to re replan, rethink, make a pivot. And I decided, you know what? I always loved science. I always loved art. So I'm going to take a bio course and I'm going to take some art courses and maybe I'll just do um, graphic design. And that was when I was in a class um, doing 2D art. It was a 2D um art class where our focus was um, observational drawing. And uh, this guy comes in, we're all drawing boxes, and he walks around the room, he makes you get up, he would sit down, and he would be like, oh, these are great boxes. Or he'd be like, these are trash boxes, you need to figure out your life. (laughs) Or he would just not say anything. And at this point, considering that I had just realized that I could, like, I physically could not do something. I just was like, please just walk past me. I'm not in the headspace to have you tell me that I'm <laughs> a trash artist and that I need to burn my art piece because it's so bad. And he sat down. He's like, this is, this is good. Do you like science? And I was like, yeah, I like science. And he's like, well, you should look into the BPMI program here. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, well, you should Google it. And he just walked off like he just left. And it was kind of I always call that like my Gandalf moment (laughs) because he was this weird old guy (laughs) with a beard (laughs) just kind of walking around. And um, so I I did. I did Google it. And it was like it was a 9 a.m studio by 3 p.m. that afternoon I had gone to my advisor and gotten all my files and had walked across campus to the LAS department to get transferred into this BPMI program and um mind you this guy never told any of us his name he didn't give any details of who he was he was just in the classroom giving his opinion and the following year Uh, I walk into the studio 
late, of course. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, boxes. You go sit in the corner. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, this is this guy <laughs> from last year. And he remembers me. And I'm not sending a great <laughs> first impression. Um, but he ended up being one of my, my favorite uh, professors from Iowa State. He was always a very supportive professor and was one of the first to um, actually support the idea of going out on my own and, and starting my own business. Uh, I don't know why. I guess he saw something. I don't know. But he was always a good guy. Why did you decide to start your own business? Um, I think, well, I would say that first and foremost, my mom had her own business. And there was a freedom that she had with that that I really liked. Um, and I think, I don't think that people tend to do like stray too far from what their parents tend to do. We tend to use that as a template of what's our normal. And so for me, um, owning your business and and essentially doing the work that you want when you want making time for you know the things that you're passionate about as well as you know making money as well as taking care of yourself and your family that was my normal and so I think from the beginning there was always this underlying tone of whatever I end up doing I'm going to make a business out of it and when I went to Iowa State and I got my degree and I graduated, um, there was a period of time where I was thinking, well, I should go and find someone to work for. Um, but everything was so far away, uh, which sounds so like crazy that that was a factor for me. But at the same time that I had graduated, Ben, my husband, um, he had actually gotten a job offer here in in Cedar Rapids. And so it's very difficult to have a civil engineer pay, um, have to have Ben give that up so that I could go to Texas or New York or Washington State to maybe find a job somewhere. Um, so it kind of just was this very serendipitous opportunity to go, you know what, you've always wanted to start a business. This is kind of the time to try. So why not? Um, and that kind of just went from there. What are your goals for the business in the next five years? Uh, I hate that question. <laughs> Appreciate that question. Uh, no, because I feel like it is an important question. Because um, there's a lot of times where I've had people that have suggested you should hire other illustrators or you should um, just become bigger. But the thing that I like about my company is that it is just me. You know, I like that I don't have to worry so much about providing for someone else. I like the idea of just. Especially in times like this where it's uh, April of 2020 right now and mm -hmm. pandemic's going on mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that can't pay their employees and yeah, yeah, there's, to worry about. there's a lot of stress. Yeah, there's a lot of stress with that. And um, I've never really seen myself as like a manager um, in the sense of, of only managing people. I like working on the projects. I like just sitting down for three or four hours and just going through like Cinema 4D and creating things. Um, that to me is the best part about this job. Um, 
So wherever I am in five years, I think I would like to be working more with big companies. I would like to be working more with um, museums and, and archival systems and create things that are going to be used publicly. I think my most ideal project <laughs> would be some kind of paleontology something for a museum creating an archive that anyone can just access from their computer and can like th see 3D models of, you know, specimens and, and then what that specimen, like the collection of those specimens will look like as, a, as an entire entity. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Kind of along with that question, where do you see the future of illustration or animation going and or what trends are you seeing that's getting more popular, less popular, used more, used less? Well, I would never say that traditional illustration would never would go away. I would never say that. I think that there will always be a place for watercolor and colored pencil. I think that those are in itself like the quintessential, you know, this was where the roots started. But as far as where things are growing and, and, and building, I really think 3D and um, I wouldn't even maybe necessarily say virtual reality, but definitely augmented reality are where things are going regarding like the educational systems. I think because um, I, I worked for a company for a short period of time um, that they're now called VivEd. Um, but at the time when I worked for them, they were called Cyber Anatomy. They were creating virtual dissection tools. So they had all kinds of stuff from motors to people that you could dissect the specimens and could learn that way. And it was a very effective, especially regarding um, the human dissections, it was a very effective alternative to having cadaver. And I think that with time, um, there will be an opportunity to provide education in a very hands-on kind of way. And I do think that augmented is, is kind of where everything is going just because you can interact with it more um, and it makes it a little bit more realistic. I wouldn't say necessarily that those are going to replace cadav cadaver dissections because there's you know nothing quite as good as the real thing, but I definitely think that's where education is going. And once you can have that in the mainstream, um, I totally think that that will be a part of our consumption as a general public. <laughs> that kind of gets into my ideas of what social media and how we interact with the internet will be like in 10, 15 years, which is a whole, you know, whole other thing, but... <laughs> so... If somebody does work with you, what's what's the normal progression of the project from the client has an idea to finished work being sent over to them? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I would say when it comes to, I guess, like workflow, um, I kind of have two, two things in mind. So ideally, um, when someone comes to me with an idea, I want to kind of hear it from the very beginning. I want to really grasp even why this person is doing what they're doing. I think that that's a very important aspect because you're not just, um, if you know, if you're a client and you're coming to me, you're not just coming to me for my ability to draw things, but you, we're going to have to work together. So 
being able to be compa- compatible is is a very important part of that. So I'm probably going to ask you a lot of like, why did you end up in this field? And what do you like about it? And what's important about what you're doing right now? But I kind of bundle that into what I call the initial consult, just because it's more of a a general conversation. And a lot of times those general conversations will bring to light information of are, are, is, is the project ready for illustrations? What kind of illustrations would be best? Who is your audience and how are you catering to them? Um, in, especially in like, uh, public health situations, the question then becomes who is most affected by whatever it is that you're, you're working on. If you're talking about, you know, dental care for, um, people that don't have access to to insurance who who, like are they going to be a lot of spanish speakers are they going to be um refugees that have come to your area like here in in iowa a lot of the people that are in that situation are um refugees from africa so to reflect that and have information for them so they feel involved is very important but kind of from that general initial conversation, it's really important to just really get down to the very basics of what it is you're like, what's your problem and how we can, how we can solve it, what, what needs to be done to solve it. And um, then kind of just from there, it's the usual when you're taking on a project and you're hiring a consultant, you put together your timeline, you have, you know, when things went like when your due dates are and when we should be getting certain things done. And we just try to keep on top of that timeline to make sure that your project is done on time. But uh, I think for me, the biggest thing when I'm when I'm talking to a potential client is to really understand their why. I think me personally, the why was such a big reason why I got into my my field to to um, kind of push those boundaries of making sure that people understand and have access to information that affects them. So it's important to, to make sure that I'm on the same page with somebody that's going to come and hire me to do some work with them. But yeah, I hope that that was not too over oh, the place. <laughs> so... I guess also with that question, I was thinking you normally have your initial consult, but then you also have check-ins and clients might provide you reference materials. Yeah. And. Yeah. So all of this, I have like a form. It's not like like the client says go and then they don't hear from you for a couple months. No, no. Um, Part of what I think is important for services like this and what you do is you know you have scheduled check-ins and one that helps reduce the amount of things that are being redone but mm-hmm. it also makes sure that the client really likes what they're getting and that's what they envisioned yeah i am i've had clients that have been like just run with it and i want to hear from you in a month i've had those clients and honestly those are the clients that we have to redo a lot of work so i don't like doing that so when i so essentially if we if someone were to hire me i give them like a little packet um that has the proposal every like the scope and what we're what they're paying for and what the plan is um and then it comes with like a a timeline sheet and in that timeline sheet everything is broken down um by percentage of completeness 
And a big part of that is like every 10% of completeness done or, you know, progress into the into the project is a uh, check-in or a consult or a one-on-one consult. So check-ins are just kind of emails that are sent back and forth. Um, those are an easy way, you know, with, with, with email, it's really easy to get in contact with each other that way. Uh, and then one-on-ones, if you're local in my area, we can schedule an actual meeting to sit down. Um, but now, you know, it is April of 2020 and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we're, I'm switching more over to, um, virtual meetings just because you still have that face to face. Uh, cause in some cases I, I realize that if I'm writing an email, sometimes I write it as though, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that you're understanding everything that I'm telling you. Uh, and it's easier for me to have a meeting with a client and to really ask those questions and and get that feedback, both the, you know, the verbal as well as visual feedback to make sure that I'm understanding what is being needed, that I'm, I'm really understanding whether or not you understand what I'm telling you, and uh, make sure that all questions are being answered and that everyone feels involved and on the same page. Um, Some of it comes down to the client just has this imagination in their mind of what they want and it may not be right or wrong it's just what they were thinking Mm -hmm. sometimes i mean being a scientific and medical illustrator you know you can't know everything about everything and if you're trying to work with a specialist on you know i don't know foot bones or something and it's some disease of the foot that's really rare and they want to have an illustration of it like there's some back and forth that needs to be done to make sure that what you're showing is accurate Mm -hmm. and what you're showing is what they had in mind too yeah yeah Um, and with that one of my questions was on media in terms of medium um terms of you can either do like a line drawing that's pretty basic and kind of outline-ish. Mm-hmm. You can do shaded drawings in black and white. You can do color drawings. You can do 3D modeling. You can do animation. You can do 2D animation, 3D animation. <laughs> um, how do you help clients decide what's best and what factors go into that decision? Uh, I would... <sighs> It's honestly all about the audience. So if you are creating something for uh, print media, like you're doing a textbook or you're you're going to be doing something for like Nature Magazine, um, obviously you got to go in the 2D route. But yeah, then the question is, do what what form of 2D? I tend to break it down into: Are you sharing information? Are you telling a story? Are you trying to explain something that is either um, not like no longer in existence or, or so small that you have to have an imagination to actually understand it. 
And those kind of break down into whether or not you're going to be doing something very technical uh, or explaining like something very technical. So a line drawing would be really effective for that. Two, if you're trying to talk about a new species of whatever found in this area of the world, um, then and and then a full color illustration might be might be best for that. In the terms of, but you know, now, you know, like with social media, you then have things like Facebook and you have websites and you have uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if, if you're a business or if you're trying to bring awareness to you or whatever it is that you're working on, uh, then you then have more like, do I want to have like a little informational YouTube video? And in that case, an animation would be really effective for that. Are you targeting small children and you're trying to give information about like how to brush their teeth then like a little cartoon 2d animation is going to be the best route to go or are you trying to talk to other people that are in your field and explain something that you discovered in in blood then maybe a 3d modeled animation would be most effective to explain that so it's really about what kind of story you're telling who you're telling it to and why you're telling it and and from there we're able to to boil it down to which one we're supposed to do and budget too and budget <laughs> obviously a basic quick line drawing that takes an hour is going to be a lot less expensive than an animation that yes takes a long time to model and then rig and yep color and do all the everything that rendering and yep yep or in some cases, you'll have somebody that'll go, we have to have an animation. And so then you can also throw in some, yeah, render some still frames for whatever, for thumbnails or whatever else they need. Just photos to go out on, on the internet. So I just have one more question. Yeah. Someone is considering having an illustration or an animation made for their project. How should they reach out to you? Uh, so I have a website, legacybiostudios.com. Uh, on that website, if you go to contact us, uh, I have my email address, which is honestly probably the best way to get in contact with me, with, which is asata at legacybiostudios.com. Um, I'm constantly checking my emails. If you ask my husband, sometimes I'm like just on my phone. Um, <laughs> but uh, on that page, there's also a, um, I guess it's a, a widget that you can schedule a video chat with me, just like a 30 minute, 30 minute consult. Um, but we can expand it if we need more time, depending on what it is that you're working on. And that just syncs right up with my calendar. So you can kind of see what my days are looking like when I'm free and you can just schedule a time on there directly. I think that that's an easy way to, you know, get through the, when are you available? Oh, I'm not free at that time. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then from there, I will just email you back or, you know, we'll have our scheduled um, video chat time and, and kind of free. There's no yeah. commitment involved. It's yep. If you're thinking that you might want something or you're not sure what you would want, um, that's a great way to... Or if you just want to ask about what more about what I do, if that yeah. if what I do is relevant to what you're wanting to achieve, that's also... A, I'm always wanting to answer questions regarding that as well. So, yep. Kind of just leaves it open for a, a conversation. 
Yeah. I lied. One more question to uh, <laughs> sign off with. How did you choose your slogan? What is your slogan and how did you choose it? Well, my slogan is illustrate your legacy. And I chose it because, um, so I grew up in a, a family where legacy was kind of a really integral part about our growing up. You know, you know, you have kids and your kids are your legacy. Or if you have a, you know, a job, you want to be really well known for doing a really great job and be somebody that people refer to and go, you know, who was really good at this? So-and-so was really good at this. Um, and I think in science especially, the things that we work on, which I, I'm like this too, the things that we work on, they're kind of like our children. You want them to go forward and have an impact on the future. I mean, at anyone that I've met in science, I've never met anyone that didn't care. Everyone cares so much. Um, in some cases, sometimes we care a little too much, but we just, we want to have a lasting effect on the future. And the only way we can do that is to communicate what we're what we're doing and why we're doing it and how it's important and to communicate it to the people that we're trying to help. So that's why I call it Illustrate Your Legacy because that's ultimately what you want. All right. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for listening to our first episode, which was my husband interviewing me. Please come back and listen to the interviews I will be doing <laughs> to uh, the people that I meet regard uh, along the way. And um, I wanted to actually introduce my husband, husband because there will be times where he will probably be here with me. Um, my hope is that we'll be able to not only get people in from medicine and uh, medical device companies and, and uh, health literacy um, groups, but we're also hoping, I'm also hoping to get in contact contact with people that are paleontologists and archaeologists and that is something that my husband has a lot of passion for and I think that he would be really good at asking them really good questions so uh, thank you for coming to hang out with us in the bio studio and we hope to see you again bye bye <laughs> this has been a legacy bio studios LLC production providing scientific and medical illustrations and animations to researchers, inventors, startups, and companies. Legacy Bio Studios, illustrate your legacy. For more podcasts and blogs, go to our website at LegacyBioStudios.com. For more content, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Bio Studio.